Evil to the right hand, puts her down. He's going to dump him hard to the ice. Brady Leopold just loves to fight. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. My dream of being a professional hockey player became a reality, but it was all taken away from me in a very short period of time. For many years, hockey was my outlet. Hockey was my drug. When I had a stick in my hand, nothing else mattered. I was able to break into the Western Hockey League in 2004, and I even won the Swift Current Broncos Rookie of the Year. During the summer of my rookie year, I experimented with drugs for the first time. After just seven games in my sophomore season, I walked away from the Swift Current Broncos due to personal reasons. Nobody knew I had been sexually abused at the age of five. I did everything to hide it from everybody, but I just couldn't take it. Drugs and alcohol now took over my life. I did return to the Swift Current Broncos as a 19-year-old, but things were never the same. I was eventually traded to the Kelowna Rockets in my final year of junior where I got to play on a line with the Dallas Stars captain, Jamie Benn, and one of my best friends, the extremely talented Colin Long. It was by far my best season ever, and I even signed with the Tampa Bay Lightning's organization. A dream come true, right? That's when everything went wrong. First it was the cocaine, then came the Oxycontin, and that led me into a 12-year journey into the deepest pits of hell. Within two years, I had now made the switch to heroin, fentanyl, and everything in between, and I was now an intravenous drug user. Multiple suicide attempts and over five trips to the psych ward, I was a shadow of who I once was. By 2014, I was homeless on Hastings in Vancouver, the worst street in North America. By 2015, I was a wanted criminal, making the Crime Stopper headlines more than once. After spending three years in jail, I had completely given up. With nowhere to turn and nowhere to go, I finally started to get honest. I took a chance and made some major changes. This is my story. 911, I overdosed over 10 times. I'm one of the lucky ones. And for that, I will always be grateful. This is for all the men and women we've lost. Matthew Wazinski, Mitch Fadden, this one's for you. My name's Brady Liebel, and I've been to hell and back. This is the road to recovery. Remember when I didn't have a dollar to my name without a place to go, dripping wet, standing in the rain. I'm just gonna jam out for a sec because this is my song. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Hockey Hell and Back, episode number 91. Of course, I'm Brady Liebold coming at you guys live from beautiful Muskoka, Ontario, Canada. And boy, am I excited for this episode. If you hear the song, this is Kalichi. I can't wait to talk to this guy. He's a huge contributor to my recovery and a huge contributing factor to why I was able to pull myself out of the addiction that I was in. And I'm just super grateful for his time. He's going to come on here and share his story and we're going to pick his brain a little bit because he's doing a lot more than just music. He helps other fellow addicts try to find the way and it's, it's difficult work. It's not 
It's not for everybody. Uh, so I just have so much admiration and respect for this guy. But before we bring him in, uh, I want to get to a couple things. Special shout out to my good friend Brody Kerbison. It's his 33rd birthday today. <laughs> Happy birthday, Brody. Uh, really excited. Uh, we're doing some cool stuff. Uh, we got some big plans uh, coming down the pipe for for content and different things. And just wishing you a happy birthday, Brody. I truly appreciate your friendship over this past six months. We've become like brothers and just happy birthday. I hope you have a great day, man. Um, also, the four on four tournament. It looks like it's a go. They got the ice in going in down here on the lake. Here's a sample of the jerseys. Uh, so, in case you don't know, we're all going to, the whole team's going to be wearing uh, jerseys uh, with the name of a hockey player who, who has either passed away from suicide or overdose, many of them behind me on the wall. Uh, but there's a sample of the jerseys up here in Muskoka. So we're skating for our angels. The minor family is going to be up here. Stuart Smith's flying in from British Columbia. We have family members playing on the team of, of, their loved ones who they've lost and friends. And uh, it's going to be an incredible weekend. If anybody is in and around Muskoka, February 25th to 27th, Gravenhurst at the wharf in front of Boston pizza on beautiful Lake Muskoka four on four outdoor tournament. I'm going to be speaking at the opening ceremonies as well. Special shout out to Rob Carlton, who's doing everything. Uh, he's the creator of on the pond. So would love to see you guys all there. Quick message from team issued, by the way, Jesse from Team Issue just sent me a whole new sweatsuit. He sent one for Taylor. I actually have the pants on, if you can see. So anyways, a quick message from Team Issued, and we'll be back with Rap Phenom, fellow recovering addict, Kalichi. Hi there, it's Regan Bartell, the play-by-play voice of the Kelowna Rockets, Brady Leobold's biggest fan. Team Issued is connecting all walks of life. Team Issued does this by recreating that special feeling of being a part of something bigger. A community for all striving towards the same goal. Teamissued.ca. Promo code TOEDRAG15 for 15% off. Thank you to everybody over there at Team Issued, especially Jesse Paradise, uh, for all the support and friendship. They've been with me since day one. But without further ado, guys, it's my... Greatest privilege and honor uh, to introduce to you guys somebody. I'm getting emotional. Like, come on, man, get it together. Somebody that I look up to tremendously. Um, I'm going to share a story once we bring him on on how I was actually introduced to his music. Uh, quickly, before we get him in here, I just want to dedicate this episode to my late friend, Sean Richards. He passed away of an overdose on April 30th of 2020. His mom, Joanne, you know, Thinking of you, Joe, I love you. And Sean was the guy who showed me Kalichi's music. So I wanted to dedicate this episode to Sean Richards. But without further ado, all the way from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Guy, I can't even tell you how much I look up to. Let's do it. Kalichi. How are you? What is going on, brother? It's so good to see you. And I, man, I'm, I'm, Full disclosure, it's a little bit fanning out. I've had hockey hall of famers on and hockey players I looked up to. But, you know, when it comes to the real life stuff, you know, after going through what I think both of us have gone through and when I was able to see somebody basically pull their life from from the ground, like beneath the ground and, and strive or thrive and, and just strive to continue to accomplish your goals and your vulnerability and your honesty and you're just 
I'm going to put it all out there and I don't care what people say because this is how it is. And it, you know, you show me the way and um, just thank you, man. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. And, and Cleese, I'm going to turn it over to you here in a minute, but I just want to share the story of, of Sean quickly with you. This is actually his hockey stick here. He was a ball hockey player. He didn't play ice hockey growing up, but his mom gave me this after, uh, after a celebration of life and, you know, Sean and I were, were friends we used together. And I remember the first day I ever heard any of your music, it was the drug addiction song. And he's like, man, you got to hear this song. And we were in active addiction. You know, I believe we were even shooting up, you know, while we were listening to it going, I can't, I couldn't even believe that someone was singing about this stuff. That song, it was like every word of it, brother, you know, like we both lived it, me and Sean. And Unfortunately, we lost Sean in 2020 and, you know, I had saved his life on numerous occasions and I'd moved out of the town and kind of lost, you know, connection with him. But he was clean for for a significant amount of time, close to a year uh, just before COVID hit and the gym shut down, the meeting shut down, self-isolation and that one decision to pick up and use again cost his life. And so, um you know, even at a celebration of life, Kalichi, this is the last thing I'm going to say before you speak, you know, while we were waiting for people to come in and after people were leaving, your music was playing at a celebration of life. So, you know, this is this just means a tremendous amount to me. And I'm sure it does to Joanne, too, who uh, may be watching live or watching after. So thank you. Um, but I would love to hear a little bit more uh, about Chaz Smith. That is your real name. And um, yes. you, will not remain, you will not remain anonymous. So tell me about Chaz Smith and, and what yeah. life was like growing up. I mean, I'm sure I'll jump around a lot, but uh, even what you were just talking about, I mean, even in our area, I mean, obviously across the nation, um, you know, with meetings being shut down and everything, but especially, you know, here, it is, it's very unfortunate. A lot of people with time clean went out and relapsed and are trying to get back, you know, or, or they've died. Um, you know, in our area, like a lot of the meetings opened up back up, but uh, there's, it's just, I feel like, it, there's not as many people as that like they used to go as there are now, but um, you know, slowly we'll get back to where, you know, where we once was. Um, but I mean, I can give you like the quickest version possible, but yes, my name is Chaz Smith from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Kalichi, you know, and I've been doing music now roughly for probably like 16 years. Um, but, you know, just to give you a little bit of my backstory, like, you know, my mother was an alcoholic, you know, my father was a heroin addict, you know, my sister was a heroin addict. So like my, you know, entire immediate family suffered from active addiction and alcoholism. And, um, you know, <clears throat> um, but like growing up, like I, I didn't grow up in like this, like, you know, you know, torturous household or anything like that, because whenever I was nine months old, my mother left my father. And, you know, to this day, you know, I've never seen him, never met him, never anything. And, uh, you know, and my mother got sober, she got clean, like right after that. So I grew up in like a good environment, you know, and I loving grandparents to live right down the street. And they basically, you know, taught me morals, values, and they taught me right from wrong, you know, and uh, I share about it frequently, because it, it really is a huge part of my story. But I always, I always did feel different. And I don't know if that's because I was an addict, or just because I was, a, you know, just a, a kid, but I always felt like something inside of me was was not complete and it was missing and I was always shy and I was always timid. And even when I was truly around like, you know, my closest friends at that time, I just always felt like I didn't fit in. And, um, you know, the progression of the disease of addiction for me um, was very quick. It was very rapid. You know, it was just 
very fast. And, um, you know, I was, you know, started smoking weed at 14. And by the time I was, you know, a senior in high school, I, you know, I was strung out on heroin. And in between that time frame, I did every single drug that you could possibly think of. You know, at that time of my life, like high school, I guess you could say, it was like somewhat manageable. And when I say like somewhat manageable, I mean like I still went to school most days and I still could do this and that. But I, uh, you know, it wasn't until I graduated from high school that my life became very unmanageable. And, um, you know, like you, I mean, obviously I never went pro, but I mean, ice hockey was my was one of my outlets when I was younger and I played for six years and um, I loved it. I mean, I absolutely loved it. And, um, you know, a lot of things you said in the intro, just about like when you were on the ice, that's all that mattered. You know, I don't know if I had that deep of a passion for it, but I can relate in the sense that I know when I was, you know, playing and on the ice and and all that, that, you know, I wasn't thinking about drugs um, at that time in my life. You know, I I unfortunately didn't play my senior in high school because, uh, when I was a senior in high school, because by then it was just alcohol and, and drugs was the most important thing in my life. You know, it, it happens so quickly, right? And yeah. you know, I I just wonder, like, where where your headspace was at? I mean, if you're in high school and you're you're strung out on heroin, where was your headspace at? Like, when did you recognize that maybe, hey, this is actually a problem for me? I mean, I honestly, I truly don't know. I know when I was like 15 and I came home drunk, uh, my mom like started yelling at me and she was like, you know, she basically pulled me aside and she was, she told my sister and I, Hey, look, you guys are probably going to, um, you know, struggle with, you know, alcohol and drugs just because of your father and I, and, um, I don't know. Like I, like, I kind of had acceptance with it, even like at a young age, like I just, I kind of, I don't want to say like, I I, like knew that I was going to be an addict, but like, I don't know. I just, like I said, I had the evidence in front of me that of, you know, my mother and father. So, but I, it was somewhere in my senior year of high school where I was like, okay, this is, this is probably going to be a huge problem because these, uh, I can't quit these Oxycontins and I'm getting sick and I'm in school every day at six period because I'm starting to feel violently ill. Um, so, I mean, it was probably somewhere around that time frame. That is the absolute worst feeling in the entire world and yeah. something, you know, unless you've lived it, I, I, I believe you can't even explain the, the desperation and pain that it caused when you're addicted, wired to, to oxys or any opiate it is such yeah. a, such an overwhelming feeling and it, it takes you to some pretty desperate places. So, I know in your music, you rap about, you know, spending some time in, in jail and, and living on the street and, you know, stealing crest white strips and steaks. I mean, all stuff that I did too, right? Like I, it's, you know, people, I don't think people really realize how, you know, the life of an addict and what, you know, the, the boosting and the, the, the different things. So at what point in time were you kind of, your hand was forced where yeah, you, you got to start to commit crimes uh, to support your addiction. And by that point, was it, you just didn't give a shit or, or where was your headspace? Yeah, at? I mean, on it, on it, it was probably, it was the summer after I was a senior in high school. Uh, I actually just spoke at a rehab yesterday and I shared about this because uh, it, you know, it was just so true. Um, like the moment I graduated high school, that's when I started like doing criminal activities. And I believe, I mean, I'm in in high school. I'm sure I I committed tons of crimes, but like, not like to support my addiction, just to being a kid. But, uh, 
It was. That's when I knew I was truly caught up. And um, it was like any anyone I hung out with in high school, like as soon as that was over, I just did not hang out with them. I hang out with like different associates that were a little bit older than me. And um, and that's what it was. And I mean, I'm, we just started boosting from that moment forward. And, um, you know, it's crazy because I, I never really like, I mean, like, so I, mean, I didn't like, I didn't want to do things I was doing that, you know, at that time, I truly believed like I just had no choice. And, um, and I was just so caught up and, and that's what my life consisted of over the next six years. It was just a vicious cycle of, of detox, psych wards, you know, rehabs, you know, small jail stints, <clears throat> or I was just on the streets, uh, living in misery, uh, using, and it like, uh, it really was just, uh, such a horrible existence. And, um, you know, even thinking back then, like to the age of 19, like I, I wanted to, I really did want to stop. I, you know, I just didn't know how to stay stopped because I would go and I would attempt to get help, you know, and I, I would give like half-ass endeavors and all that, but, um, I really was broken. You know, I was like, I was completely broken with these shattered emotions, but, uh, I just didn't know how to, like I say, like, incorporate what I've learned, you know, in facilities and all that and apply it to like the real, like, you know, the real life, like life outside of a jail cell. And that, that becomes the issue for a lot of people. And it was for me. And I mean, I can't, I've talked about on the show a lot, how many times I, I tried rehabs, detoxes, psych wards, uh, counseling, psychiatry, like exhausted every single resource till you get to the point where I'm doing government funded things. And now I'm on welfare and it, it you know, and you get to a point, at least I did where I was just exhausted and it was like, I, why would I keep trying to get clean when I'm repeatedly failing. And I know your story is quite similar. We've mm -hmm. had some significant clean time and, and, you know, and ended up relapsing. And I, I think it's important for people to realize that that is, that is sometimes part of the story, right? Like that is the reality. Addiction is just extremely intense and, and it can come up at any time. Um, but what, what allowed you, uh, to, to keep pushing through? I know you started music at 23, mm -hmm. uh, you know, spending hours in your car, listening to instrumentals and writing music. Was that the turning point for you? Um, or, or what was that thing that really carried you through to allow yourself to pick yourself up and try one more time? I mean, it, it was definitely a combination uh, of so many different things. Um, you know, I think my first initial, like where I was like, okay, I'm really going to try this. Um, it was, it, it was my sister, you know, my sister got clean before me and she just was like, uh, just as bad as an addict that I, as I was, you know, so once I seen her like actually like, you know, stop using drugs and get her life together, that was just the first spark of hope. That was the first spark of hope where like, you know, okay, maybe I can do this too. And then by going into the rooms and actually like meeting, you know, a lot of people and, you know, and the predecessors that came before me, you know, I eventually started to uh, believe, you know, and then I came to the, you know, I came to the belief that like, you know, if it really is possible for them, you know, if it's possible for them, then like, you know, maybe I can do this because I hear their stories and their stories, you know, are, are worse than mine. And I feel like they've just, you know, they really have just just been through so much. So if, if they're able to do it, then like so should I. And um, it was it was just, you know, even the times where I believe like I fell short and I failed and I relapsed and all that, I still never lost hope because I knew that this was because I, I, I had my own personal experience with being clean before. So I knew that. <clears throat> You know, if I did not die, like if I did die, 
it, I could, you know, it was attainable once again, but I just had to be willing to do the work. I had to be willing to do everything that it took because, you know, uh, that's where I always fell short. I always just didn't want to put in the extra work or, or, or go the extra step. And then that's why I would always, um, you know, relapse with time clean. Yeah. And, you know, the second part of that question I'd love to know is like when you did have these relapses, how was your reaction to those relapses? And, and as time went on, because I think there was a few, right? What, did, were you able to learn from them? Like in my history, when I had relapsed, I've had a year, close to a year, nine months, six months. This is the longest I've ever been. I just celebrated two years last week. And, um, you know, but every time that I fell off, I was never able to just pick myself back up. And my very first time, I think in a meeting ever, I was like my first time in rehab, this old timer told me, he's like, just, you know, if you ever fall off the wagon, it doesn't mean that you have to fall into the ditches. You just pick yourself up and get yourself back on that wagon. I was never able to do that. And I think it's the guilt and the shame. And when people are feeling this and, and there's people watching and listening, I'm sure of it. I know um, one, one person, I'll just say in particular, that's having a really difficult time, just relapsed uh, after some clean time and and oh, she's so sweet. There's the lifesaver right there, right? Uh-huh. Absolutely, man. It's uh, so, so amazing to see. Hello, what's your name? Brielle. Brielle. Beautiful name. Thank you for letting us borrow your dad for a little while. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but, you know, there's people out there that that are struggling in this moment that may be listening to this. And... I think it's, you know, were you able to pull yourself back up quite quickly or did you fall down? And, and did you I mean, so, I mean, every relapse was, was different. I think the longest one I had was like 16 months and I was like really out there. Uh, but my, my last relapse was only four days. And the reason it was only four days is because I did, I used, I don't want to say I used against my will, but I just, I was in just, just such a bad dark place. And, um, and I used and, uh, a couple of days went by and I was completely strung out after going through like a couple bricks, like using a substantial amount of drugs. And then I, hold on, baby. And, but then I just got to like, after just even a couple of days, I was like, I can't do this again. I can't go down this road. And even though I used and I took the first one and I was all caught up and I was just, you know, physically addicted. And on top of that, just was already getting like sick from not having it. It was very tough but I completely immersed myself back into the program and, and got connected with people again. And, uh, and I did, I struggled the first couple of months. Like I really did struggle, but I just, I knew there was a better way to live. Cause I, like I said earlier, I had my own personal experience. Like it was very difficult, but if it was not for my foundation that I already had, you know, in, you know, in the, in a 12 step fellowship, I don't know if I would have been able to do it, you know? Um, but it, it was tough, but, uh, it was worth it because, you know, since, you know, June, <clears throat> June 7th of uh, 2015, I've not used. That's what I think about that. That's incredible. And I think your sister's like 16, 17 years clean. Yeah. It's what's one of them. I should know, but what's up? It's crazy. It's, it's... Go, ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, oh, I was, I thought she was asking me a question there. She's so cute, man. Um, I won't keep you, I won't keep you too long here or anything. I know you, what's going on with your, your music right now. I want to kind of cycle back to where it got started, but maybe give us an update on, on where Kalichi's at uh, today with music, uh, anything like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm working on like a small EP with one of my friends, uh, big germ from around here. It would just be like a four or five song project. Uh, I'm going to try to have that out by summer. 
I it, it's weird. Like I feel like the last month I've just been in this spot where I've I've started probably six or seven songs. I've started six or seven songs and I have not finished one yet. I have a really powerful song uh, that was supposed to be out months ago, but the kid that shot the video for me just gave me the runaround. And it's like it's literally gonna be the best music video I've ever released. And uh, he just has not finished it yet, and just like is avoiding my phone calls, and it's like getting me mad, but it's okay. But other than that, like I said, uh, I haven't really traveled real, real recent for music, but uh, like just doing shows and stuff like that. But I don't know. I just want to get this project out, and then, like I said, all the songs that I've started, I just I have to finish. I just it, it's been a lot going on like you know we we opened up a, an outpatient too like like five minutes from my house um like last month so a lot of my my time and energy is going there as well wow that's um that's incredible to hear man and you know i think for me anyways right when i it, reflect back on any experience i've had either trying to get clean or even during recovery um when i no disrespect, and I've said this before, and people know my stance on no disrespect to doctors and therapists and everything else, but when it comes from one addict to another, right, mm-hmm. and you're able to connect with people and show them the way, uh, I think it has so much power, and and you carry that power and that charisma, man, and I just I can't even explain to you, um, you know, just being able to see somebody that first of all, the, your lyrics to your, your songs and like all of them, like just hit me like a ton of bricks, and I was like, wow. And just to see your, like I said it before, like your vulnerability, your honesty, and, and your just willingness to put it all out there and essentially not remain anonymous, you know, that was a huge contributing factor to my life being saved, man, because it gave me the strength to start sharing my story, right? Um, so openly and, and honestly, because especially in like the hockey world, it was like, man, I was so hesitant because like, you know, I don't know any other, I didn't know any other hockey players that were homeless or IV drug users. And I can't, I could only thought I could only share little bits of it. Right. But you gave me that extra little like push on the back to say, Hey man, like you got this, just, just be vulnerable, be honest. And that was, that has been the recipe at the beginning. There's other things that have gone into it, but honesty and vulnerability for me have, have been the game changer, you know? And, yeah. and, uh, and, uh, you know, for, for me too, like, uh, so whenever I first started getting clean, started going to the rooms, like they just tried to drill like honesty into my head. And, uh, and I figured like, you know, if I'm going to be practicing here, I should practice it in all areas of my life. And that, and that's what I did. Cause whenever I did start writing, you know, cause I started writing pretty much the first time I attempted to get clean. And, um, I don't know. My first poems were like about like guns and stuff, like stuff I knew nothing about. And, uh, and I was like, Hey, why don't I just try like, let me write start writing about my life, you know, and how I feel and all that. And that's exactly what I did. And I just started writing, you know, about everything that I've been through and I, all my embarrassments and, you know, and how bad I, I, you know, I hated myself and drug addiction and all that. And in the process of doing that, I found out that it was making me feel better, you know, and it was making me feel better. It was giving me freedom from self. And, um, and I don't know, I just, I just, I always took that route. And I remember like, it was probably like 2007, 2008. And that's my producer, uh, Big Germ was like, he's like, don't you care what, what people think about you? And I was like, I was like, not really. I was like, you know, by writing all this stuff, like this is what is helping me, you know? And at that time, like, you know, I had like a couple fans or whatever, you know, but uh, I don't know. It just, it really wasn't about that. It was just about 
you know, it was really just about getting it out of out of me, I guess you could say. And um, it just it, it did. It gave me a sense of freedom that I never experienced before. It's incredible. That's so funny. She's so cute. Go Brielle. <laughs> but yeah, it's um, man, it, it's true, right? And I think that was a big thing for me was it was actually acknowledging some of the things that I had done and things that happened to me as a kid, right? And it's it took a lot. It took a lot to to get there to be able to share. But having a guy like you, man, to be able to do that meant so much. And I think you know, there's probably. I can't even imagine how many people must have told you this over the last 15, 16 years. You currently have over 80 million views on YouTube. Mm -hmm. I couldn't get the math on the Spotify, but it's well over. It's like 10 or 20 million, I think. You're touching people's lives, man. Think about when you were kicking it on the jail cell floor, mm -hmm. kicking the dope. And, and now you're an inspiration to so many people, including myself. That Do you ever take the time to be able to recognize how far you've come and how much of an impact you're making on people's lives? I, I guess, I mean, I have. I mean, I think about that. Um, you know, when I think about, like, how far I, I've came, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind, though, truly is the fact that, like, I'm a present, you know, caring and loving father. Because that's something I truly – I never thought that I would ever do or even be capable of doing or being responsible enough. Um, but, I, yeah, I mean, I know I never thought that I would even reach a fraction of the people that I have reached. I mean, never in a million years. I never thought – that I would be where I'm at with my music and, and, and how far it's gotten out there. That wasn't even like, that was, that just wasn't even plausible in my head. Like I didn't think that it would, that would ever happen. So I really am grateful. And I, and I, and I stay, you know, I practice humility in the sense of that, you know, even with all that that's going on, it's just like, I'm just still an addict and I am susceptible to using, I could use it, you know, just like everybody else, you know? So that's what, what makes me truly respect, you know, the disease of addiction also is because like I said, I've, I've had time clean before and, I, and I've used, you know, and um, I know that, <clears throat> you know, we're all the same and we all can be, you know, taken out just that easily. That's why it's important for me, you know, with the daily maintenance and, and doing the basics and, you know, everything I was taught in the beginning still remains applicable. And that's, you know, that's what I try to do. And um, I know that I just, I try to be cautious uh, of every decision that I make in, in every, you know, everything I do, because I don't ever want to return to the way that I once lived. Yeah. And I, yeah. Like I, we're both very lucky to be alive, right? And be able to share our stories. Yeah. Uh, you know, you've lost multiple friends, as have I. Um, have you ever had this sense of survivor's guilt at all? Because this is something that I go through and I'm having a difficult time with. I connect with a lot of these family members. And in some cases, I look at, you know, that person's addiction. And I, it's never right to compare, but it's like, I feel like in some cases, maybe I was a little more extreme and like, why am I still here? And it, sometimes I lose sleep over it. And I'm just wondering if that's anything that you've ever gone through yourself. Um, yeah. So whenever I, whenever I had two months clean, two to three months clean, uh, I was living on the beach actually. And uh, this is a huge part of my story, but I used to drive to the beach uh, every night and I would pray and I would verbal, I would verbally pray. And I would just, I would talk out loud the way that I'm talking now. And, um, it was, there was, there was nights where the prayer felt artificial and it would be fast and it'd be 10 minutes and I wasn't feeling it. 
And then there'd be other nights where I completely was in tears and I would pray for hours. And, you know, and I, you know, one of the things that I used to basically scream is, you know, why are so many of my friends dead and I'm still alive? You know, and God, if I have a purpose, what is my purpose? You know, and this was with two months clean. And, um, you know, it's crazy when I, when I really do look back on that, like just my mind frame and everything and how like nothing in my life yet has really even came like about, you know, and uh, here we are six and a half years later. And it's just like since I've uttered the words, man, so much, so much has happened. Like, I mean, my life has changed 100 percent. And uh, but I did. I mean, I would think about my friends like, uh, you know, like Jeff or like Easy, and, um, you know, and how they had young children and how like, you know, and now they're no longer here. And, uh, you know, and it just breaks my heart, you know, and it, because every single one of the overdoses that I survived, it was like something like crazy happened for me to be survived, meaning like someone showed up that was not supposed to be there or some stranger found me on this, you know, certain sidewalk, um, you know, or, you know, my, you know, my mother wasn't supposed to be home at that time under any and all circumstances, but there she was. Um, but that's what happened. That's how they all played out. And it's just, I don't know. I don't really get into like, you know, why them, you know, and why not me anymore? I just know that I'm here and uh, I have to, you know, do the best I can. And, um, you know, and they'll always live in memory. And a lot of things that I do do to this day, you know, are because of them. Absolutely. And I think that's very clear in your music is paying homage to, to your friends that you've lost and kind of adapted that as well here too. And with puck support, it was never supposed to be a clothing line. It was supposed to be a charity. We're now almost getting to the state where it's a charity to support hockey players with mental illness and addiction. And, and it's really cool. But the clothing line, you know, I started to uncover the stories. As I mentioned earlier, I was thought it was the only hockey player that had really lived a severe life of jail and homelessness and drugs. And it, boy, was I wrong. I did a little bit of research and, uh, you know, our database now has 57. They're not even all in this picture. 57 hockey players ranging from 14 year old girls to, wow. to NHL players who have either taken their own life or a passed away of an overdose. It's about 50-50 in that picture. And so what, what we do here, this is one of the shirts, we put one of their names in each, each one of the shirts or in each one of the hats. And, and, and you know, this was my coach in, in minor pro. And I was in rehab with this gentleman here. The very first time I ever walked into rehab, he was the first person that I saw and he was my coach two years prior. And, yeah. you know, and, and it's, it's just so tough. Um, but it, you tell me that like, the circumstances for you to survive were just like ba almost mind baffling, right? Like it just things happened that didn't, weren't supposed to happen. And when I sit here, I'm listening to you say that it was the exact same thing for me on multiple occasions. Like my mom's landlord left for work like 15 minutes early one morning at like five, five, 15 instead of 530 and I, there I was on the lawn overdose and there just happened to be a police officer that was just doing the last paperwork to get off shift at six o'clock or whatever in the morning parked right down the street and they scooted right over Narcan me and next thing you know I was like waking up and my mom and then I got intervention then they sent me out to Ontario it was just one time but it, you know it's it's crazy how how that kind of stuff happens and I look at a guy like you who just I, I see a guy who has such a huge purpose in this world and is fulfilling that purpose and providing hope and there's no question in my mind why why you survived because you are just such a beacon of light man I can't even I I don't want to sit here and say it because when people say similar things to me I don't do a great job taking it and I just try to put my head down and keep doing the next right thing 
but from one addict to another, from one human to another, I just thank you from the bottom of my heart for, for, for doing what you do, not just with the music, but all the stuff that people don't see, all the phone calls, all the messages, you know, the outpatient work, going and speaking at rehabs, you know, this is, this is your time. We all only have so much of it here on this earth. And you're choosing to spend a lot of that time to try to make this world a better place and to help people. And there's, there's some people in the world that are like that, but in my experience, they're, they're few and far between. And there's only certain people that are cut out to do it. And boy, am I grateful you're here doing what you're doing, man. Thank you. What's, um, let's i mean we could probably wrap it up here your what's your daughter up to is she bouncing around back there she's no she's in the other room are you if you got a couple more questions yeah of course yeah okay for sure and if anybody we got some comments and stuff coming and we got we got a few, bunch of people watching if anybody has a couple quick questions for Kalichi, throw them up in the comment sections i'll get to the majority of your comments once the conversation is over i know there's some nice comments here to Kalichi. we'll try to get to um but any questions send them over um I got I got some notes here that I that I go that I can go on here. Um, what's your favorite song besides the one that's not released right now? Do you have one? It's such. Um, I don't know. I really like the Who making Cern Part Three, um, and. That's it. Yeah, it's a hard. <laughs> I would I would say that song. It's a hard question. I think I have roughly like 150 songs that I, that I've done, um, but you know, there's some. You know, come back home. Even honestly, to this day, yes. slow at times will give me chills because I can vividly remember writing that with with three weeks clean and how I felt and how I truly wanted to end my life. So, like when I listen to that, there's certain parts too. Um, and uh that you know that will give me chills and then there's a line in there too where I, I talk about like you know one day you'll look back on all this and smile and i can't do nothing but smile every time i hear that line because it's just so true like what i was going through at that moment is so minuscule compared to everything that has happened but at that time that was my entire world and um i did then i did not want to exist um you know the first couple of weeks that i was clean this time but uh you know, just the, the strength that uh, that was given to me to just keep going forward. You know, I think that song's a great demonstration of, uh, of really just holding on through the chaos. It, it's an incredible song, man. And, you know, it took me, I think it took me like three or four times of hearing it like a while back now, but to actually realize that it was about you. Right. Like, cause I, at first I didn't know your, your, I didn't really clue in that you you use your name in this, in this song. And I thought you were alluding to a friend and then it like clicked in the next time I heard, it. I'm like, no, wait. And I was like, wow. You know, and it's, it's a very powerful song. Come back home. Everybody check it out. Check out all his music. There's some couple people in here too. Like, uh, Joseph Mackie watching saying your music saved my life <laughs> more times over. Thank you. Um, Mary Jo Hartman says, you are blessed, guys. Keep the truth. Bravo to you both. Uh, we'll get to a couple more and then we'll we'll let you out of here. This is a good one here. Byers. She says, the empty soul got filled by drugs and emptied the whole body. Honestly, an acceptance of God's filling, filling the void of our soul and healing of the body. Thank you for talking real trash and real life. I like that one a lot. Mm -hmm. um, Brody also says, love your music. 
Another guy, I know a video guy saying he wishes he could have produced your podcast up there in Kingston. Uh, Stuart Smith watching says, this is such a great conversation. Thanks for your honesty and hard work, Kalichi. I have two girls and your song Daughter is so good. It speaks to me every single word. He's the fire chief in Abbotsford. He's flying out for this four on four tournament I was talking about earlier. So um, last, there's a question here as well. Brody wants to know if you, uh, do you produce, produce your own beats or have any contribution uh, to so no, I mean, so I, I know the very, very basics uh, of the program that I use. Um, a lot of beats, a lot of beats, though, that not real recent, but like, you know, a lot of stuff that I've done in the past, um, I've came up with the ideas or the sample. And then I was in the I was in the room when it was being orchestrated, you know, saying, do this here, put this here, do that there. But like physically doing it, no. Um, but like I said, there are a lot of songs that I have. I, I did. I would come up with ideas, or I would hear something that that made me feel a certain way, and then I would, you know, just kind of piggyback off of that and run with that, you know, and just. Um, but no, I've I've always had help in that area. <laughs> well, it's it's not an easy craft, is it? But it's you got to you got to have your hands in there a little bit, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, last thing, if, if anyone's listening right now, and I'm sure you get asked this all the time, I've heard you've been asked it before on a different podcast. Um, any advice to somebody out there who is really struggling, maybe more importantly, somebody that has maybe recently relapsed and is feeling like that uphill battle is just impossible to climb. And the reason why I ask you that is there's somebody, uh, watching right now that, that is just in the thick of it. And, um, yeah, not having a very good time uh, in the hospital has recently relapsed after having some significant clean time. And this, this individual is um, scared uh, to face um, friends and family and all this stuff. So maybe uh, a little bit of advice, if you could, to Kalichi. Yeah, um, I mean, even if you're scared to, you know, <clears throat> you know, face your relapse, uh, I mean, it really is about saving your life. And, um, you know, that's one thing I learned early on that... Um, you know, even the times that I relapsed, I just I never tried to hide it because um, I knew that lies would potentially kill me. Um, and I know for myself that <clears throat> I don't know. I just I had to get around people that I trusted. I had to get around people in general because I know that this is a very powerful battle that I could nowhere ever fight alone or win alone. You know, even to this day with time clean, there isn't really. There's really not much that I do alone. I mean, uh, you know, especially if I'm going through it, especially if I, I'm struggling or, you know, dealing with some type of turmoil or whatever you want to say, you know, I'm always staying connected, you know, and staying connected, you know, to the rooms and all that. And I mean, obviously everything that, that the rooms offers and all that, that's what I practice. And, um, you know, but it is, it's difficult because in the beginning, in the beginning, I didn't see that. In the beginning, I seen the here and now. I just seen that I was hopeless and that I, I, I didn't see a bright future and all of that. Then no matter what somebody would try to tell me or whatever, I just, you know, I just, I had to hold on. I really had to hold on. I'm telling you so many times, I really didn't think I was going to make it. I thought I was going to relapse. I thought I was going to use. I thought I was going to harm myself. But I just, I 
truly just kept pushing forward, you know, and, and by doing that, I built self-confidence, you know, and then the more confidence I got, then the more hope I got, and then my hope turned into faith. And now it's to the point today where, you know, I just, I really do have faith that everything's going to be okay, regardless of what happens in my life. And um, like I, like I said, numerous times before, I just, I, I've been through, I've been through certain things that I didn't think I was going to be able to handle. Um, and I handled it, you know, so today it's just, I really do have that tangible evidence in my life that, you know, as long as I just stay centered and I just, I really just keep the faith and, you know, and I have others in my corner that, uh, that I can get through anything. I love it. Um, I needed to hear that as well, you know, just as a reminder, somebody who, like I said, I look up to, um, with, you know, significant more years clean than me and, and accomplished quite a bit more than me, essentially from a similar, similar spot. And I would argue that, you know, you had a, maybe even more of an uphill battle trying to develop your network completely on your own, where I, you know, I do acknowledge that I had the hockey community, which I'm so grateful for that kind of rallied around my story, but man, you built it from, from like brick and mortar buddy. And, and you took a chance and I'm just so proud of you and, and people, your friends and family, and your daughter, maybe she doesn't understand today, but I'll tell you, man, she is going to be just so proud of you, man. And, you know, that was a big reason, you know, my, just before I let you go, I know I keep saying that, but when I got clean, I was clean for like, a, I don't even know if I was clean yet or if it was, it was right around in that day, but I found out I was having another kid and I have two like kids from previous relationship. They're 13 and 12 and 13 now. And, you know, I haven't seen them for a number of years and, you know, got disconnected from them because of what happened. And when I, you know, when I found out I was going to have another baby, a little girl, I remember like listening to your music and the, the end of the song, and I'm going to play it at the end of the show. You won't be here to listen to it. You've heard it a million times, but I am going to play the drug addiction song in its entirety at the end of this podcast, because this is a song that gravitate just grabbed me and I just couldn't believe it. But man, I'm just, I'm super proud of you, dude. And I just thank you for everything that, that you continue to do. And I would love to be able to send you like a puck support hat. I don't care if you wear it or not or whatever, like a hat, get it down to you. Um, you can give it away or whatever, but I would love to be able to, to send you a hat or something and um, just greatly appreciate your time. And uh, just remember holding my daughter, you know, when she was born, listening to that song, you know, I'm doing whatever it takes. So my daughter will never see me high. And that stuck with me, right? Like the first time I heard that song and multiple times after I was disconnected from my kids. But then when I knew I was having a daughter again, I knew that I had a chance to, to at least be that constant for her and that she would never have to, to see me use. And I picture you in that music video holding your daughter, man, and it helped me so much. So thank you. And uh, I appreciate you. Keep up all the good work. And I can't wait, buddy, to see this new music video. And I'm praying that it all works out as smooth as possible for you. Thank you. Thank you very much. We got some comments. I'll keep them coming. Great podcast again. Thank you for so much for sharing. I will listen to your music now. And trust me, if Stuart and Brady love it, so will I. Proud of you both. My girlfriend's also watching. I had no idea. Taylor, um, she's a huge fan of yours as well. So, um, yeah, we just appreciate you, Cleachy. And we'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Maybe we'll do this again sometime. Absolutely. Thank you. Okay, buddy. Have a good day. You too. All right, guys. That's Kalichi. Whoa. I got to take a breath. I haven't gone back and watched a podcast of mine for quite some time. There was a time when I started all this and I would go back and listen to them all and, you know, try to critique them and, and all that. And it just got to be a point where it got too much. And 
you know, I felt like maybe I didn't need to do that anymore. But I'll tell you what I'm going to do with this episode. I am going to watch this one, listen to it probably tonight. There's so many great points um, that we can all take away um, from this. I'm going to kick it over to a quick commercial here in a second. But I wanted to leave you uh, before that with a, a poem from a friend of mine. His name is Doug. Um, recently, he relapsed. Um after having almost a year clean and I found out that he was homeless and struggling back in the situation that me and him were both in at one point and went out and, and, and grabbed him and brought him here and, and happy to say that he's doing quite well. Um, he's written a poem that I want to share with all of you guys. It's called From One Addict to Another. I'm going to try to hold it together. I'm probably going to cry. My hopes for you are my hopes for me, that these hard times were faced by the lessons that set us free. The years that we lost, we may never get back. Please let them be our inspiration to put our lives back on track. Stay steadfast and strong. Know that we all do belong. With all our courage and grace, may we each find our place. From one addict to another, I do understand the temptations and doubts that we each face as humans. My hopes for you are my hopes for me. If we stand together, one day we will be free. That's from my buddy Doug Sweeney. And uh, love this guy. And he's an incredible writer. And I love that poem. So... Thank you for sharing that with us, Doug. And um, like I said, guys, I'm going to leave you uh, with Drug Addiction by Kalichi. And I, I really hope that you guys can stick around and, and listen to the song and listen to the lyrics. And, and, you know, it might be a little intense for some people, but every single word that he speaks in the song is completely 100% relatable to my life. And hearing this song, it changed my life. And so we're going to do that at the end um, here in a couple minutes, but we'll kick it over to a quick sponsor. Our friends over at Pride Tape doing some awesome stuff. They're now in the Canadian Hockey League doing Pride Nights. Hockey is for everybody, guys. It's all about equality and we can all be doing our part. If you see my pictures, I got the Pride Tape on my stick right there. Shout out Brody Kerbison took that picture. It's just about love and support, everybody. Hockey to Hell and Back is brought to you by Pride Tape. Pride Tape is a badge of support from teammates, coaches, parents, and pros to young LGBTQ players. It shows every player that they belong playing the sport they love and that we're all on the same team. Show your support for teammates, coaches, and fans in the LGBTQ community by wrapping your stick with Pride Tape. Every roll of tape will make an impact in sports and beyond. Inclusion starts with leadership. Check out some of the ideas of how you can get involved at youcanplayproject.org. Check out Pride Tape at pridetape.com. For more information, you can send an email to aubrey at pridetape.com. That's A-U-B-R-E-E, -E, aubrey at pridetape.com. You can find Pride Tape on facebook.com slash pridetape, on Twitter at pridetape, and at pridetape on Instagram. Pride Tape thanks all of you for being champions for change. Thank you to our great friends over there at Pride Tape. Um, love, love what you guys are doing. Love you guys as individuals. Your friendship means so much to me. I am beyond excited for this four on four tournament. I'm actually quite emotional about this four on four tournament. Uh, 
You have a lot of amazing people coming to play, to spectate, to support. And we're all going to be wearing these jerseys, skating for our angels, representing one of those that we've lost. With the overdose awareness ribbon on one shoulder and the mental health ribbon on the other. Yeah, it, it means a lot to me for, for so many reasons. And I know it does for, for everybody playing in this tournament. Most importantly, honoring those that we've lost. Think about these, peop these people, these amazing people every single day of my life. There hasn't been a day in the last year and a bit that this picture has existed and continually be added to that I haven't looked at it. I see it every single day, multiple times a day. And it breaks my heart to know that we've lost so many. And it breaks my heart to know that so many right now are struggling. It is my greatest hope that through the conversation that we had here today with Kalichi and being able to maybe listen to his music, if you're struggling, go listen to his music. I, it is my greatest hope that there is one person that either watched or listened to this, that it made some sort of an impact, that gave you some sort of hope him and I both know how much life can hurt, how hard life can be. There is no simple solution. There is no easy answer. There's not one way that works for everybody. But I believe that we are all strong enough to fight back and that we can be stronger than our addiction. Man, is it strong. Addiction is strong. There's no two ways about it. Sometimes it feels overbearing like it's never gonna end. And that it's either just live that way or die. And the reality is if you continue to live that way, there's a very good chance you will die. So I'm asking anybody out there who's struggling, get honest, get vulnerable, ask for help. You deserve it. You deserve it. Please don't give up. Shout out to my family out there in British Columbia. I miss you guys dearly, dearly. I miss you. And hopefully one day in the near future, I can come back and, and see you guys, my mom, my dad, my auntie Lee and everybody. And of course, shout out to my kids, Brooklyn and Brody. I love you guys. I miss you. And, you know, that's why I keep putting one foot in front of the other. You know, you guys are a big reason. You guys are a big reason. And, um, just praying for everybody who is struggling out there and for everybody in recovery. I do wish you another 24 hours. Sometimes it's moment by moment. That's okay. If you need somebody to talk to, reach out to me. If I don't get back to you right away, I apologize. But I do try to connect with anybody that needs somebody to listen. Because I felt like I never had that. So I know what it's like. Anyways, I'm going to leave you guys with arguably one of my favorite songs, Drug Addiction by Kalichi. And there is a part two and I believe like a part three to it. It's just not called Drug Addiction. But this song changed my life. Thank you to Kalichi. Thank you to everybody for watching. If you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe, press that like button. And if you really want, turn the notification button on. If you're listening after the fact, thank you, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. If you're not already following, please do so. Please share with your friends. I have 
zero budget to pay for advertising. I rely heavily on you. If you like the show, please share it. If you didn't, well then don't. I'm okay with that too. And I love feedback. If anybody would like to give me feedback on the shows, please. And I'm not just looking for positive feedback, constructive criticism. I'm in a place today where I can handle that. Take care of each other. Be kind. And remember, have a great day if you so choose. Kalechi. Kalechi. You see, everybody got a story to tell. Well, here's mine. My pain's deep. I've been through hell. I managed to survive, so I got a story to tell. Listen, I stand victorious. Make the sign of the cross. Look, I'm here to be the voice for every friend I've ever lost. Let me pray as I put together my hands. I've never been ashamed to tell you the person I am. When it comes to doing drugs, I've never been a rookie. But hold up. Let me tell you about the places that they took me. I haven't showered. It's been possibly a week. And I'm so deep in a psychosis. Impossible to speak. The coke is in my arm. Now it's impossible to Sleep. My throat's numb, closed shut, so it's impossible to, impossible to eat. Losing weight's a part of my daily routine. I always use against my will, just praying I was clean. So nod your head if you understand what I mean. When I was growing up, I never thought that I would be a fiend ever. My life's tumultuous, it's never getting better. Another abscess from my arm is getting severed. My exquisite vision, depiction of dereliction, livid living conditions, malicious on a mission. All these green tree cops, look, they all know me by my first name. Paramedics had to revive me to say it again. I want the same clothes for like the last 10 days And look, I want to do better, but I don't know a different way different Completely way. all alone, I'm sitting in this room I empty out the bags, brown liquid in the spoon I have to do a lot, can no longer do a little The water's been added, I place the cotton in the middle I'm sucking every drop up into this plastic device As I am tying off, I'm trying to find a decent vein of strike I shove it ever so gently up underneath my skin As I'm pulling back the plunger to this blood in the syringe I push it in and try to drift away to heaven but criminals like me, that's never the place that we're headed The guilt, shame, remorse, and regret I never address And I'm a mess from all this pain and this anguish I'm filled with stress, overdoses, I'm emotionally broken This ain't a joke, I'm smoking on a Newport I never have any hope This is me, I'm feeling like I don't deserve more I feel disgusted as I'm pushing on this burnt chore Someone stole the vinegar in the midst of a blackout Another shooting gallery, another crack house On the porch, welcome to hell, is on the floor Man, I'm glancing at my arms and all I ever see is sore tracks I'm feeling filthy, dirty needles with the orange caps peeking out the window. Someone whispers, lock the door latch. We're blasting off, departing from this mothership. I look around as others search the carpet for another hit. Crest whitening strips in Mach 3. I'm on a suicidal mission till these cops try to stop me. We boosted every day, selling steaks for half price. Any dream I ever had was shattered by glass pipes. Glass rows, devil got me in his lasso. Enter the gates of hell and I didn't even have a passcode. I'm hard-headed, I will never learn my lesson. You know the drill, commit a crime and get arrested. The misery never ends, I'll spend another week in jail. I don't have have friends, family never paid my bill, so I would withdraw and kick on that concrete floor. I feel I've had enough, but my body is screaming more. The food is horrible, but I haven't eaten in days. No reason to call home, cause I got nothing left to say. I'm tired of this jail, I don't ever want to see prison. Look, I'm tired and exhausted from this life that I am living. I would get a couple days clean and say that I was done. But every time I got released, I was back on the run. It's back to thieving, lying, robbing and ripping and running. These problems, I don't solve them. I'm crippled and sick to my stomach. I hang with 
prostitutes and these deadly degenerates. I'm homeless for the moment, but that's really quite irrelevant. The only thing that matters in life is my next high. I gotta be willing to change and give it my best try. I'm a servant and this heroine's my king. I'm feeling like a slave as I dangle from these puppet strings. I'm just a marionette, I'm staring at death as I am carrying regrets that are just tearing through my flesh. We're dealing with a topic we're so careless to neglect. We're dealing with a dilemma leaving every parent stressed. I'm so sick and tired though of being sick and tired. But then it finally happened, motivated by desire. I hit this point, I wanted to change. Enough is enough, my efforts been exhausted and I'm tired of being stuck. My faith is never blind and my future I barely see. But overnight was open-minded, I had this moment of clarity. So it begins and it's essential, I believe. Cause if it worked for you, then it just has to work for me. Through all this pain, there's gotta be a positive message. I talked about the past, now let's talk about the present. I'm no longer living that way for me, it's a blessing. But with one bad decision, I am back in that obsession. And no three was diagnosed with hepatitis C. I utilize the bad, it's always been the fuel for driving me. And then you ask me, why do I give us my all? I'm not trying to see rest in peace on my Facebook wall. I got clean in 05 and started rapping. I started touching lies, I never thought that this would happen. The shit today, trust me, it isn't heroin. It's killing everybody in the comments or disparaging. No one cares, I guess a fuck that I'm clean. For them, another deadly overdose is just something to see. Look, I pay attention to every post that I read as you were sitting there judging in front of your iPhone screen. Talking about these dying addicts and how they are worthless. And if they put a needle in the arm, then they deserve it. But that's someone's mother, someone's uncle, someone's daughter. And that's someone's aunt, someone's son, and someone's father. As I rap, the shit is giving me chills. And I'm speaking off experience, that's how I know it's real. These ignorant motherfuckers will say it's not a disease. And look, I really don't care. You can believe what you believe. I don't care to argue. I don't gotta give you proof. Listen, I was taught you don't gotta defend the truth. Incurable, progressive, and fatal unless arrested. I'm expressing aggression with every sentiment confession. Once a junkie, always a junkie, you're boring me. The last time I checked, there's one ultimate authority. I'm sick of these remarks and opinions from all these critics. Cause if you never lived it, then trust me, you'll never get it. Be quiet. You're not allowed to speak about it. If you've never lived it, then you're not allowed to speak about it. How often you forget the only time that you should ever open your mouth is to eat a dick. Everybody is dying, it makes me sick. This isn't an epidemic, this is more like an apocalypse. So when I struggle, it's only right that I fight in my experience recites on how that diamond saved my life look you don't got a clue what i've been through when i was at my worst you couldn't walk a mile in my shoes i survived a lot so it's only right that i smile when i'm aware of my surroundings i'm no longer in denial i'm blown away by every message that i get it gives me motivation it's the reason i never quit we gotta do this together we must trust there's no you there's no me there's just us i'm doing this with courage i'm doing this with pride i'm doing this for every single friend that's ever died i dedicate this song to anyone that's lost a loved one so live your life because tomorrow may never come be grateful for your past embrace it don't get embarrassed every day there is more children growing up without their parents i felt pain look i'm not afraid to cry my life changed once i was willing to try i've been given many chances now it's truly do or die i'm doing what it takes so my daughter would never see me high i'm doing what it takes so my daughter will never see me high I'm doing what it takes so my daughter will never see me high. I'm doing what it takes so my daughter will never see me high. I'm doing what it takes so my daughter will never see me high.